A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Yet another Novak Djokovic masterclass. That was an absolute demolition for the first two sets. Has the guy ever played better tennis? To me, that was up with the way Roger Federer played against Andy Murray in the Wimbledon semifinals. And Roger Federer subdued, did have a brief fight back, didn't he? Came back and won set three, but ultimately defeated in four. Johanna Conta's journey at the Australian Open has come to an end in straight sets at the hands of Angelique Kerber. And she will now play a rejuvenated Serena Williams in the final of the women's singles with Andy Murray against Milos Raonic still to come. My name is David Law. This is the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Simon Briggs, as always, is here with me. And uh, Simon, we're just digesting what we've seen from Novak Djokovic. I don't know whether you agree with, with my assertion that that is as good tennis as I think I've ever seen for the first couple of sets. That was just unplayable. Yeah, it seemed like um, everything Federer was doing was in slow motion for him. He was kind of like Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. You know, he's kind of, he just seemed to be able to freeze frame, pick his spot and, and just pop the ball into the corner where Roger wasn't. Uh, he almost didn't seem to be even straining. It was all coming so naturally to him. He was in, in the zone. And actually, that was something which gave me cause to wonder if he might be challenged because as soon as you come out of the zone it's quite difficult to go back into it and he did come out a little bit in the third set when Roger played some genius tennis of his own then the roof closed but but in the fourth set uh, he just um, found the moment to put his foot down again the fact that he served first may have given him an advantage and unbelievable penultimate game of the match featuring the rally of the tournament in which there were lobs and volleys and recovery shots and a backhand pass from Federer to finish it off even that didn't quite get it, give him the, the boost that he needed. He, he missed two first serves and, the, and he was broken. And that was curtains. It was. There was a difference about Novak Djokovic, the way he came out tonight. Right from the very first ball, there was an aggression about his body language. And he was just going for everything. He was hitting every ball as hard as he could. Even if it was just straight up the middle, he would land them within a, a couple of feet of the baseline. And, and we, where we sit in the, the five live BBC Radio 5 Live commentary box, court level, literally behind the, the centre service line judge, you could see how Federer was just trying to half follow these balls on his baseline. He'd just got no room with which to work. Yeah, I mean, Novak's quite good at um, giving nothing away in the press conferences, but when, you, when he's on the court, his body language speaks volumes, and there was a, some, some sort of stalk about him tonight. He was... Uh, he still had his shoulders back and his chest puffed out and he was telling the world, 
I'm the king of Rod Laver Arena. Uh, he's he's uh, demonstrated that on many occasions. Becker-esque to me, that, the way he was doing that. There was, there was a presence about him tonight. Yeah, there really was. And, and um, he, Becker knows all about dealing with rivals. He knows all about the importance of the fast start. But, but the one abiding thing that he always talks about is putting your foot on the gas at the, in those final moments and just the, the kind of the killer eyes that Becker used to have at those moments is something that he seems to have bequeathed now to Novak. So, wow, we, we, all, we all wondered how that coaching appointment was going to turn out. And uh, like so many other things Novak's done in his life, it's, he's played a blinder. Certainly has, hasn't he? Before that, as I mentioned, we had uh, Johanna Konter's journey coming to an end on this occasion. She didn't quite do herself justice today, did she? She had one spurt of four games in a row in the first set after going three love down. But I don't know, what did you think? Did you, and from what you heard from her at the end, did, you, did she find the occasion a bit much or was she just fight, struggling to find her form? Uh, no, she'll never admit to that because, uh, as you know with Joe, she likes to make sure that you know that every match is just another match. She's in the process. She's in the moment. There was a curious moment in the press conference when she was asked if she was hurting at all, not physically, but emotionally about uh, having had the opportunity to play in a Grand Slam final and having it uh, slip away. So she fixed the questioner with the most confused and slightly disappointed look as if he really come from another planet as if it was complete madness to suggest that the player would be disappointed in losing a Grand Slam semi-final if they had given their all remained in the moment and 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 stayed mindful we're having a little bit of difficulty adjusting to this um this person because she's a nice girl but the the the, the um therapy speak which is clearly the key to her success, is also quite difficult to, for us to, to kind of cope with because it's a new thing. We haven't really met anybody who talks in this language. And she's obviously using it to her advantage, but it can be quite difficult to write about as well because if, if every match is the same, then, <laughs> then it gives you little room for, to operate with when, you, when, you're, when you're trying to quote her afterwards. Dare I say that's not her problem? Not her problem at all, no. But, but I, I, it, it was a, a, a different moment where, when she looked this guy in, in, in the eyes as, as if he really was, was saying something quite absurd, as if no one could ever be disappointed about losing a Grand Slam semi-final. <laughs> yes, well, I mean, I, I, we have talked a lot about the, the, the sort of emotional and mental journey she's gone on in order to get to this point where she is competitive. But Angelique Kerber wasn't a bad draw for a, for a Grand Slam semi-final, was she? Uh, no, but she is very consistent. And, and I looked at her record. I think she's won 36 out of her last 37 matches against people outside the top 30, which Joe still is outside the top 30, although she's about to go up to number 28. Um, in, in the next rankings. So it was always going to be a difficult one, and Kerber just brought out the shots she needed at the, at the right moments. There was a break point in the second game where she put the ball up the line, um, and that kind of stilled Conta's momentum every time she looked like she was going to get on the roll. Again, at, at, at 3 4, Kerber had to come out and serve, knowing that she'd been broken twice in the, in the last two games. Uh, and, and another break would, would mean being 3-5 and, co- and Conta serving for it. But she just held herself together with apparent ease. And from that moment on, it was pretty plain sailing. How good was Serena Williams today? Though, I mean, she was Djokovic-like in that first set, 20 minutes, six love sets. She just, she just knocked Agnieszka Radvanska aside like she was annoying, an annoying fly. Yeah, the first set was very <laughs> one-sided. Second set was, was, was really entertaining because it was a terrific contrast of styles and uh, Radvanska really rose to, to the occasion in that, in that 
period of play and and was doing everything she could to move Serena about, keep the points alive, come to the net. So it made for great tennis, actually. Um, it was a very good it was a very good set, set to watch, a little like the third set in the Novak Roger match. In both instances, he sort of knew which way it was going to go, but um, the opposition player certainly put up a, a strong and, and extremely entertaining fight. Hard to see Kerber challenging really well. Certainly cha- challenging, yes, but beating Serena, for me, no. 5-1 is the head-to-head, so she has beaten her before, but unlikely. Yeah, a few people saying that perhaps being left-handed might give her a chink because Safarova managed to disturb Serena's cool a little bit uh, last year. Um, but I think overall you'd say that that Kerber serve, I mean, what is it, 160 kilometres they put it on the speed gun at best? Second serve's down to 130, 110. These are speeds which uh, Serena will feast on. So not only will her own serve be doing damage, but she'll probably be hitting return winners as well. So that's the women's final we all know about. There's one remaining place in the men's final to decide, and it is between Andy Murray and Milos Ranić. Now, I've had an opportunity to speak to the man that was coaching Andy Murray last year, Jonas Bjorkman, and Carlos Moyer, the man who's guiding Milos Ranić these days. But first, let's hear from Jonas Bjorkman. Well, Jonas, we've just uh, stepped straight out of the BBC Radio 5 Live commentary box where we've been watching Andy Murray get through to the semi-finals of the Australian Open yet again. What were, what were your impressions of, you, of his performance today? Yeah, I, I thought he played well. Yeah, I, I, I missed a set he lost. Uh, I was out on, on court myself. But, uh, you know, he looked very comfortable uh, in the first set and... Uh, a little bit tough in the in the third, but in the fourth as well. I think he got back in in uh, in control again. Tactically, played uh, the match well, and um, you know he's, he was looking extremely sharp at the net today. He was, wasn't he? Particularly at the end, and I, I, I'm guessing, and particularly given that you worked with him last year, and it seemed as though he was spending a little bit more time at the net back then. That is going to be key for him, isn't it? Because he's got to have enough left in the tank, energy-wise. Absolutely. I, I think he had a, a perfect first week. If you look at uh, how you want it, if you want to win the Slam, uh, you know, he didn't spend too much uh, extra energy. You know, he could uh, cruise pretty comfortably and. You know, today he, he knew for sure that he, he's going to have a tough one. It's always tough to play David Ferrer. Uh, but I think he has a good game plan against him. Uh, last year he was in control in all the matches. Uh, and even today you, he always looked like he was ahead, even though Ferrer never gives up and comes back on and off. You know, But uh, he's, he's looking very good and uh, he's going to be extremely tough to beat uh, once again here in Australia. Milos is, I think, playing better than ever on, on, uh, from the baseline. He, he always had a good serve. I think also his volley is a bit sharper as well. Uh, he looked really good against Vavrinka, but uh, Andy gets a lot of balls back, and he normally extremely good against uh, the big servers to to, uh, to sort of push them to do a little bit more mistakes and, and get more second serves in play. I was going to say, there are times watching Miller Sranich, and I'm thinking, how does anybody get this serve back? How does Murray do it so well? Well, he's, he's extremely good on reading the serve, uh, reading the toss and, and the movement on... on uh, on the uh, his opponents, especially the the guys who serves big. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of The Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Yeah. And I think that's something you just have, you know. Obviously, you can work on it a little bit as well. But you know, a few things is something that you 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 got and and, and luckily to be skilled with. And uh, you know, that's uh, that's a strength. I I mean, my best buddy Thomas Johansson. Uh, he played Andy way back when we were nearly retiring but he came off the court and he was so furious because uh, I can't believe it I mean I can always make aces and and big serves but I mean this guy is just so frustrating to play because he gets every single ball back and and, and I think that's a lot of the reactions of, of the players when they play Andy just a final thought. Looking at the other side of the draw with Federer and Djokovic, during the year that you had with Andy, he had some fantastic results, but he didn't actually win a, a slam. And so much of it often seems to be which side of the draw you end up on. And, and for once, he's not going to have to play one of those in the semi-finals. So they're going to go head-to-head. Do you think that that makes a big difference? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, this was... Uh was something that Andy worked extremely hard for last year to to finally uh, uh, get to the number two uh, finish number two at the end of the year, so he could be in the position of being seeded two. And uh, you know he 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 had had a good run so far. We're not spending too much energy, and and we all know how physically strong he is. He's one of the hardest workers out there, and uh, hopefully he can save uh, all the best uh, to last. Has he got enough left in the tank? Do you think, from what you've seen? I think so. Yeah, I think you know he's been serving extremely well uh, the last couple of matches as well, and that's what he needs. He needs some free points or maybe like shorter returns where you can dictate straight away. And uh, you know he, he's in a good position. He got a great team behind him, and uh, you know we we can all hope that uh, he will be able to lift the trophy on uh, on Sunday because I think he deserves it. 
Well, Carlos, you only started working with Milos recently, but here he is in the semi-finals. But it's been a longer road for him than just that, hasn't it? Yes, good way to start the year, obviously, with the win in Brisbane and, and now semi-finals here. He's healthy, he's confident, he's playing very well. He has a strong team behind him who helped him uh, throughout the last year where he had uh, bad moments when he was injured. So that's thanks to them. He's doing a great job and working very hard and he's very committed to, to reach his goals. When he came to you and, and, and asked if you would work with him, how, how did that conversation go? It was at the end of November. His manager called me uh, to explain to me that uh, he was not going to continue with Ivan and, and that if I was available to, to join uh, that project, that team. And, and, okay, and I said, uh, let, let me talk to him and we get to know each other. In, we, that happened in IPTL. So we were together for one week and... Uh, practicing, talking, uh, knowing each other well, and and then uh, by Christmas they called me and they said that uh, okay that uh, I was the person that uh, they think that I could help them, and you know and I'm very happy, I'm very happy that that happened. <laughs> Sometimes we look at uh, coaches and players together, and, and I, I think of. Roger Federer and Stefan Edberg and he wanted to add a certain volley element to his game when I look at Milos and yourself it, it isn't immediately obvious I think I wonder what it is about the two of them that is going to work well together but but obviously it is working yeah, well I, I think it always has to match uh, both games you know and and I think uh, our games uh, have a lot of similarities uh, we use a lot of our serve and our forehand his serve is better than mine, obviously. His forehand is very strong, but we try to build a point to use our forehand, and, and then I think uh, I could give a good uh, input on, on, on what I was doing and, and what it worked for me. Also, I guess that having the chance of, of having played big matches and kind of managed to, to do well in, in those big matches, uh, I guess that's something that they, these players appreciate. You know, he, he's been struggling in his three most important matches he's played so far in his career. He struggled a little bit at the beginning. He was nervous, like semi-finals in Wimbledon, final in Master Canada and uh, and Bercy. Uh, so uh, you know, being there, uh, I guess that they they listen and and, and they can see uh, what I was doing in those moments uh, to see if it was with him. So it's it's more. It's not just about uh, what kind of game I was playing. And I also, I love to to go to the net, but I didn't have his volley. So, but it doesn't mean that I could not. <laughs> I don't realize that he has to go to volley and build a point to to finish the point at the net. But uh, yeah, so far so good. He is spending a lot of time at the net. It seems it's almost like it's, it's so refreshing to watch for us because he you don't see that many players at the net. Is that is that something that you have have influenced? Well, uh, he's building the point better now. He's uh, trying to not to. Uh, I mean, to hit hard if he's uh, well balanced, he's in the right position to to attack, and so now he's trying to put m- more balls in. So you, you have more chances to come to the net if you put more more balls in. So uh, he's doing that very well. But he's so talented; he's much more talented than than people can think, and more talented than I thought at the beginning. Because when I practice with him, uh, he he does. I mean, you can ask him to do many things, and he's, he he does it. And and all the credit to him, he's doing great and, and for sure I, I'm going to try to encourage him to, to go to the net uh, as much as he can Final one, Andy Murray in the semi-finals what does he, what does he need to do to beat Andy Murray? Well obviously uh, 
Murray has the experience of these big matches, and, and uh, you know he, he knows how to how to play in those moments. And but Milos is playing very well. He's very confident. He's hitting the ball well, attacking, defending, uh, going to the net, uh, mixing the everything, the game, the serve. So it's going to be interesting battle. I think uh, he's going to have the chance uh, in his hands. But then we see if he can take it or not. Mora is such a great competitor and, and such a great fighter, a great champion. So uh, it's going to be an interesting battle, I'm sure. So there's Carlos Moya following Jonas Bjorkman here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, Simon Briggs. And what strikes me listening to Carlos Moya is how excited he sounded having worked in the off-season with Milos Raonic and how surprised he was about the level of talent that he's found the guy has had. And he made the point very clearly there, he wants to see him up at the net as much as humanly possible. Well, I mean, that's what Raonic has done. I mean, if you're a coach and you ask your player to go to the net and then he comes in 83 times when he beat Vavrinka, 50-odd times behind his serve... Well, you've got to feel pretty delighted with the way he's taking on board what you're saying because it's not always easy to get players to change their habits of a lifetime. Raonic has traditionally been somebody who people have said, why doesn't he come in behind that serve more? Why doesn't he uh, try and shorten the points more? Because he's maybe not as deft with his feet as some of the guys he's up against. So come in and, and use your wingspan, and he's doing that. And I don't know how much he'll do it against Andy. This is, a, this is a very fascinating thing because obviously Andy is a much better returner than Vavrinka, although nowhere near as strong probably in the rallies from the back of the court. So Andy's returns may force some sort of rethink. It's going to be a very interesting tactical question that, that the Raonic camp will have to address and of course the Murray camp will have to address because this is by no means an easy match and if anyone thinks that the Favreke going out in the fourth round has done him a favour I think we might be a bit surprised by how difficult Raonic is going to prove tomorrow. Great to see a contrast in styles isn't it? You mentioned the tactical battle. It's just going to be nice to see old style tennis, big server and volleyer against one of the great returners. Yeah, we've had some fairly uh, dominant performances in the last few days. Quite a few people winning matches easily. But, but at the same time, there have been some... If, if you're kind of into the, the, the twos and throws of these battles, there have been some really interesting match-ups. And that, that Raonic one will be good. I mean, uh, if Andy goes to the final, of course, then you're back to two carbon copies and, and Novak usually slightly superior, whereas... Round next Djokovic final will also be very interesting. What do you think is going to happen? Is Murray going to win this one or not? I, I think you've got to give Andy 60-40, but, um, but Raonic has got a very good shot. A word for his brother, Jamie Murray, into the doubles final. Third doubles final of the Grand Slam in a row. Fantastic year he's had, isn't it? Yeah, it was funny. We were speaking to him and Bruno Suarez. And Suarez is so relaxed, you sort of wonder if he, he might sort of fall asleep sometimes in, in between points which is a bit of a contrast to John Pierce, who did get very antsy and, and uptight in these finals. And to be honest, that's why Jamie, I think, parted company with him, because Jamie has shown a really strong big game temperament in the last year. Uh, it's an amazing story. In some ways, he, his rise, though not as dramatic as Joe's, has been similar because he went away and he reconfigured his game in the off-season in 2014. And now, if he loses the final, I think he's going to be number four in the world. If he wins, he's going to be number two as a doubles player. I mean, that is magnificent.
It really is. Well done, Jamie Murray, into the doubles final. Maybe his brother Andy will join him in the singles final. What another fantastic story that would be for the Murray family and also, we should say, for British tennis. Uh, Gordon Reid was also successful today, so congratulations to him. And if you are interested in reading some more all about the tennis, go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash sport. You'll read all of Simon's articles. You'll be able to read lots and lots more about tennis from Charlie Eccleshare and all the team from The Telegraph. And if you'd like to hear live commentary on Andy Murray against Milos Raonic, it'll be on BBC Radio 5 Live Sports Extra, 8.30 in the morning UK time. The women's and men's finals will be on over the weekend as well. Both night matches, both in the morning. But from Simon and myself for now, we'll speak to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 